0: Let me say Advent. Advent. Okay, you guys know how many more days till Christmas? Who knows? 26. 26 days until Christmas. Can you believe it? 26 days. Okay. Show of hands, how many of you guys have like an advent calendar or you have some type of like Christmas countdown thing going on in your home, on your phone, you're counting down the days till Christmas? Um, We've had this little thing for years now. It doesn't really match our decor anymore, but it doesn't matter. Like it's just tradition. We get it out every year. It goes in our kitchen by the Santa cookie jar that sadly never has any Christmas cookies in it. It's just a decoration. Uh, but every year after Thanksgiving, um, the countdown begins, right? I get up. I'm the first one up in the morning. I go and turn on my espresso machine, and then I, I uh, turn, the, the, turn the date on, and I, I keep the countdown going. Now, I don't know about you, but in our family, we typically only count down to things that we're really looking forward to. Um, like, I've never had, like, a set of countdown blocks or some type of like countdown app on my phone, or like one of those chains that you make when you're a kid and you tear off like one loop at a time. I've never had um, one of those going for like my next dentist appointment. It's not like, yes, 37 more days until I get my root canal. We only count down things um, that we're really excited about, right? Like things like Christmas, things like, Disneyland vacations, things like our 16th birthday, right? We only count down to things that we're excited about. And while we're doing this, while we're counting down to the, the, to the events that we are looking forward to and are excited about, we're doing three things, whether we realize it or not. We are celebrating in the waiting. Write these down. We're celebrating in the waiting as we count down. We are preparing in the waiting as we count down. And we are watching in the waiting. We're celebrating, we're preparing, and we're watching in the waiting. Every day when this countdown changes over, my kids, especially my little ones, come down for breakfast. And they see that we are one day closer to Christmas. And they can celebrate in the waiting. Okay, they can endure a couple more weeks of school because Christmas is a coming. Like today is not Christmas, right? It's not Christmas today, but they can celebrate in the waiting. They know that it is indeed coming and that nothing can stop it. They don't have to wait until December 25th to celebrate in the waiting, um, they can celebrate now while we wait. That's really what the whole Christmas season is about. It's celebrating in the waiting. We do things as we wait till Christmas Day. We uh, watch different movies this time of year. That's celebrating in the waiting. We listen to completely different playlist this time of year. We eat special treats this time of year. We there's different traditions that we engage in all part of celebrating in the waiting. Another thing that we're doing as we're counting down to the things that we're looking forward to, like this countdown, it helps us prepare. We are preparing in the waiting. Like when I flip this over tomorrow and it's 25 days until Christmas, it's like, okay. I got to gotta get prepared, right? I got 25 days. I need to buy this gift. I need to wrap these gifts. I need to uh, make sure that I've got this tradition like planned. It's a night blocked out on the calendar. Uh, I'm, I'm planning, preparing in the waiting. Nothing can stop it from coming. It is coming. And as I count down, it's helping me to prepare for the day that is indeed coming. Now, Another thing that happens as this countdown commences is that we're watching in the waiting 25, 26 days till Christmas. So I'm watching a little bit differently, right? I am watching for great gifts. Like I'm at the store and I'm usually just gonna walk right past this aisle, but now I'm like watching for great gifts. Like, oh, my mom would love that. Or, oh, I'm watching for this gift to go on sale so that I can save a little bit of money. Or, I'm watching for ways to um, be more generous. I'm watching for ways that I can love my neighbor extra well during Christmas season. I'm watching for snow, watching for Christmas lights. I'm watching certain movies. I'm watching the fire blaze. We are celebrating in the waiting. We are preparing in the waiting, and we are watching as we count down to Christmas. But Advent is about more than just counting down to the day that we get to open gifts and drink cocoa and watch Elf. Advent is about celebrating Jesus. It is about preparing for Jesus, and it is about watching for Jesus. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Advent is the cheerful waiting. It's cheerful waiting. It's the cheerful waiting. It's the hopeful waiting preparation and the wondrous watching for Jesus to break into our lives. We're watching for Jesus to break into our lives in all moments, all places, and at all times, past, present, and future. Past, Jesus came. Present, Jesus is with us right now. And future, Jesus is coming again. Jesus came right past. The baby was born in Bethlehem. He really came. God put on skin. God took on the form of a human. He took on the form of a servant. Jesus came, right? We celebrate that. We prepare our hearts to celebrate the greatest act of humility that the world has ever known. And we wait for him to break into our lives, just like he broke into Bethlehem. He broke into the world in a normal, everyday place, unsuspecting, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then present, Jesus is with us right now. Jesus is in us, right? If you are a born-again believer, it's no longer I who lives, Paul says, but it's Christ who lives in me. He's with us. He is in us. And we can celebrate right now in the present. We can celebrate that I have been justified, like made right with God the moment that I made him the Lord and Savior of my life. The moment that I called upon the name of Jesus for salvation, I was completely justified. My, Jesus's righteousness is now my righteousness, which is good news because my righteousness was filthy rags. On my best day, when I feel like I have done everything right, my righteousness is still filthy rags. But I have the righteousness of Jesus when I call and I ask him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm immediately justified. One day in heaven, I'm going to be completely glorified. I'm going to get a new body. I'm never going to stumble and sin and mess up anymore, but right now I'm being sanctified. Jesus is in me, and I can rejoice in that. I can rejoice because he who started a good work is faithful to complete it. I am being transformed. I don't have to wait until heaven to celebrate. I don't have to wait until the trumpet blast to celebrate. I can celebrate right now that Jesus is with me and in me and I am being transformed into his image as I behold him. And then future, Jesus is coming again. He came, he's with us now and he's coming again. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. You know that, right? He's going to wipe away every tear. He may not be coming back next Sunday, but he could be coming back Sunday. All I know is he is coming back, and there's nothing that we can do to stop it. Nobody can stop it. So we celebrate in the waiting for that. We prepare as we wait for that, and we watch as we wait for that. Advent is about celebrating Jesus, preparing for Jesus, and watching for Jesus. In the waiting, um, in Charles Dickens' famous story, A Christmas Carol, Scrooge's most famous line is for sure, bah, bah humbug, right? Okay, while we're here, can you help me settle this issue? I think we've got some pictures. Okay, um, no pictures, what? Come on, okay, well, uh, maybe you'll just know, okay? How many of you, I've got three different types of Christmas Carol movies, okay? Have you um, seen the Muppet Christmas Carol? Okay, okay. Have you seen Mickey's Christmas Carol? Okay, and then have you seen the, like, um, Disney Christmas Carol where Jim Carrey plays Scrooge? Okay, so let's just take a vote, okay? Let's just settle it right now. What's the best Christmas Carol? Okay, whoa, 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 We're going to do this decent and in order, okay? So I'm, I'm going to say the one. I'm going to say one, and if it's your favorite, you cheer, okay? You guys know how this works. Okay, if your favorite is the Muppet Christmas Carol where Alfred from The Dark Knight plays Scrooge, if it's Muppet's Christmas Carol, let me hear you. Yeah! Fun fact, that was Gus's first movie night ever. Um, so it's, it's special right here. It's real, it's real special in our house. Okay. Okay, Mickey's Christmas Carol where Scrooge McDuck plays Scrooge. If Mickey's Christmas Carol. And then like creepy animation not quite there yet where Jim Carrey plays Scrooge. Oh, of course it's BB. Okay, okay. All right. I think I think I think Mickey won. I think Mickey won. It's, it's a classic, but let me just say, I'm just gonna put it out there. Watch Muppets Christmas Carol this, this year and then let me know what you think. All right, so, so Scrooge's most famous line is bah humbug, right? But I think his best line is this. Look at this. He says, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The past, present, and the future. I will live. Jesus came. Jesus is with me right now, and Jesus is coming again. The idea of celebrating and preparing and watching for Jesus is not something that we should just focus on in this last month of the year. This is something that we should try to keep in our hearts and honor with our lives all year long. To honor Advent, This idea of of, um, watching and waiting and preparing to honor that all year, every month, every week, every day, anticipating Jesus breaking in. It's this idea of living with an internal countdown. Write that down somewhere in your notes. An internal countdown. A countdown to what? A countdown to Jesus breaking into your life. Whether it's him showing up at school in this area of difficulty, this area of, 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 of just hardship that you're going through at school. Maybe it's him breaking in and answering a prayer that you've been praying, um, seeing him break through, giving you peace where you've had anxiety, he breaks in and you've got this peace that passes all understanding, this internal countdown uh, of him breaking in and giving you a greater revelation of who he is, breaking in as you see something in the word. We need to live with this internal countdown going on, hopeful that he's gonna break in at any moment, at any time, any day. And then we're also counting down internally when he's coming back for his second coming. We've got this internal countdown going. Nobody knows the day, the exact day that he's coming back, but we should have this countdown that's going on internally because he is coming back. He will break in. He'll break in right now, day to day, in the present, but we know he's going to break in in the future, and this is what's going to happen. Revelation 21, 1 through 5, look at this. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. The sea was also gone and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. We should have an internal countdown, counting down that this is going to happen. He is going to return. Advent is living aware. It's living aware that Jesus will break in. He'll break in in our lives today, and He will break in when He returns. Or think about this He'll break in if you die before he returns and you see him face to face. Um, What if this countdown, what if this, instead of it said 26 days until Christmas, what what if it said 26 days until you die? 26 more days until you're face to face with Jesus. Don't you think that the next 26 days would look a little bit different? How do you think you would spend the next 26 days? I think your lead up to Christmas would be a little bit different than your normal lead up to Christmas. What would the waiting, what would the preparing, what would the watching, what would the worshiping look like as you prepared to be face to face with Jesus? I know as young people, we don't like to talk about death. Nobody likes to talk about death, but Advent is a wonderful time to think about eternity. It's a wonderful time to think about eternity and the fact that eternity is now in session. Like it's, you're an eternal being. Eternity is now in session. And we need to be thinking about how we want to live our lives knowing that it is now in session. Like the countdown is on. The countdown is on. He came and he is ever present and he's coming again soon. So for the rest of our time together, I'm going to zero in on celebrating in the waiting. And uh, next week, Pastor Jackson's going to talk about preparing in the waiting. And then Pastor David Terry is going to wrap the series up and talk about watching for Jesus in the waiting. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Celebrating in the waiting. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse Verse 22. I'll give you a second to go there. Luke 2, 22. as you turn there, let me pray. Lord, I just pray for every person in this room. Holy Spirit, would you come? I pray for everyone in this room right now, God, that you would give them focus, that you would help them to press in, that you would help them to lean in, that if they are being distracted by their phone, by a neighbor, that you would give them boldness to put it away, to move away, that they would lock in. You have something that you want to say tonight, a seed that you want to implant in their hearts tonight. And I just pray against any distraction that would cause them to miss it. Give them fertile soil tonight. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Luke two 22. I'm going to give you a little like set the stage, okay? So Jesus in this passage is a newborn baby. He is just 40 days old in this passage, he is a little over a month. Um, And then Mary and Joseph um, are bringing him to the temple to present him to the Lord. They're following all of the laws. Uh, Leviticus says that a Jewish baby boy had to be circumcised at eight days old. Jesus was. And then 33 days later, they show up for a purification ceremony and they show up to um, present an offering to the priest at the temple. And then um, they're gonna present their firstborn male To the Lord. So Jesus is 40 days old. This is what's going on in Luke chapter 2. So I want you to imagine this scene with me in your mind's eye, okay? We have two very new parents. They are 40 day year old parents. They've been parents for a little over a month, and um, they are two very young parents. Scholars say that Mary was like 14 or 15 years old, like one of y'all. Like, it's two very new, very young parents, and they've got their 40-day-year-old little bundle of Jesus, and they are ready to present him to the Lord. They've got their pair of birds that they're going to present as an offering. I'm guessing that Mary is holding baby Jesus and that Joseph is dealing with the birds, okay? Okay. So I want you to see this little family in your mind's eye. They're bringing Jesus into the temple. Now, the temple's a very busy place. There's like hundreds and thousands of people there that day. They are worshiping. They are praying. There's priests making sacrifices. There's incense rising. There's other people that are bringing their firstborn males to dedicate to the Lord. Um, There's songs that are being played there's people buying what they need for their sacrifices. Like there's lambs bleeding, right? Bleating. There are, um, there, there's like bird wings probably flapping. It's a very busy scene. And in walk Mary and Joseph and God. God, right? He is in the temple. God shows up in the temple. Okay, here's where we, here's where we pick up. Okay, verse 22. It says, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him, Jesus, to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Somebody say Simeon. Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. So it's like he's not going to die before he sees the Lord's Christ. Okay, I'm going to pause right here for just a second. So we've got these first-time parents, right? We've got 40-day-old year Jesus We've got two turtle doves, and we have a man named Simeon. What is Simeon doing in the temple? Scripture says that he is waiting. What is Simeon waiting for? It says he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. What or who is the consolation of Israel? The consolation of Israel was the one who would console Israel, who would comfort Israel, who would rescue Israel. The consolation of Israel is the one who would free her from her troubles, the one who would save Israel. So Simeon is waiting. What's he waiting for? The consolation of Israel. What's the consolation of Israel? Who's the consolation of Israel? It is the Messiah. It is the rescuer, the redeemer, the snake crusher. It is the savior. It is Jesus. Let's keep reading. He says, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant Depart in peace. Now I can die in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's us, unless you're Jewish, that's us. A light to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I wonder how many people passed by Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus that day in the temple. This little unassuming couple, this, this, this new little parents who apparently are not very wealthy because they, they bring the, the sacrifice that you can bring if you don't have money to bring a lamb. I wonder how many people just walked by them that day, not recognizing that God, the God that they had come to worship in the temple, the God that they had come to pray to in the temple, that he was there that he was wrapped in flesh. He was there in the temple, but only the waiting ones, only the waiting ones, only Simeon and a woman named Anna that you can read about later in Luke chapter two, only the waiting ones recognize Jesus, God with us. All of these people were there doing all of their religious things. Priests were there, scribes were there, people who were considered experts on the scriptures were there, but they did not recognize that God was with them. There's a prophecy in Malachi that says, Behold, the Lord will suddenly appear in his temple, and that prophecy is being fulfilled in this very moment on that very day as Jesus is carried into the temple. There's people praying and there's people crying out for the Messiah, for the consolation of Israel, not realizing that the Messiah is just a few inches away from them, but Simeon was waiting. The word waiting here, write this down, the word waiting speaks to an eagerness to welcome, excitement, eagerness, an eagerness to welcome. It wasn't like when you have to wait like at the state of Oklahoma like to get your permit or your driver's license, and you're just sitting there, and you're waiting, and you're bored, and you're like, uh, this is not fun. He's waiting with active anticipating. He's waiting like we're waiting for Christmas. He's waiting like he's counting down to something he's super excited about. He is actively, excitedly waiting. This is hopeful. This is um, preparing, watchful kind of waiting. Simeon wasn't waiting to get out he was waiting to welcome in. He's waiting to welcome in. We'll come back to that. Okay, so he's watching. He's waiting. I'm sure he's praying. He's in the temple like, Lord, don't let me miss it. Lord, don't let me miss it. And he's probably thinking, what am I going to say if today is the day? What am I going to say if, if the consolation of Israel arrives? We don't know if he knew that, the baby, that it was going to be a baby, I don't think he did know it was going to be a baby unless the Holy Spirit showed him that because when one thinks of like, the one who's going to come and save Israel, one rarely thinks it's going to be a 40-day-year-old baby. But somehow he knew, by the Spirit, he knew when Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus walk in, as soon as he sees Jesus, he knows by the Spirit of God that it is him, that this is the consolation of Israel. And Simeon takes Jesus in his arms. What do you think Mary did in that moment? Do you think she was frightened? Like, oh my gosh, who is this weirdo trying to take my baby? I don't think she was because I think at this point she was starting to understand that this baby was not just for her, but for the world. Simeon, the waiting one, is holding in his arms the very one he has been waiting for. The one he has been waiting to welcome. And then he bursts forth with song. He begins to prophesy. I brought, I think, a picture Do we have the picture? I don't know if you can see this very well, but I love this picture of Simeon to painting somebody did holding. You know Jesus had like an awesome head of hair like that, right? Holding baby Jesus, the one he's been waiting for. He's holding God. He's holding the Messiah. He's holding the Christ in his arms because he was willing to wait with expectation. He begins to sing about how he can now die in peace because he's seen his salvation, his rescuer, his redeemer, his savior. He's held him in his arms. And he begins to prophesy that the consolation of Israel would actually extend beyond Israel, thank God, and into all of the nations, all nations, all tribes, all tongues. This baby would rescue all who would call on his name for salvation. What was it about Simeon? that allowed him to recognize the Messiah. He was counting down the days with cheerful expectation. He was living with this internal countdown. He believed that at any moment, Jesus would break in. Simeon lived with a childlike wonder, a childlike faith, waiting for the promise, waiting to welcome in. Now, whether we are waiting right now for Jesus to break into our lives or we're waiting for the second coming, everybody's waiting in here for something. Simeon models how we can celebrate while we wait. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to miss out on what God's doing in the earth. I don't want to miss out on what God's doing in the earth. I don't want to be at the temple, like going through all of the motions and knowing a lot about the word of God, but lacking a heart that's waiting and preparing and watching for him to break in. I don't want to be inches away from what I'm praying for, from what I'm contending for and not be able to recognize it. Like I'm contending for a move of God and I'm contending for revival, but I want to be watching and I want my eyes open and I want to be waiting and I want to be prepared so that when it comes, I can recognize it. I know that this is the thing that I've been waiting and praying for. I want to be found waiting for him to show up in my day-to-day life, and I want to be found waiting for his second coming with oil in my lamp. Maranatha, right? Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. So I want to look at two things that we see in this brief story about Simeon that give us like a framework for how we can celebrate in the waiting whether you're waiting for an answer to prayer, whether you're waiting for a new season to begin and then just generally waiting for the second coming of the Lord or waiting to be face-to-face with the Lord. We don't have to wait until he returns to celebrate and we don't have to wait until he breaks in with breakthrough to celebrate. We can celebrate in the waiting. Okay, so two things. The first one, celebratory waiting requires consecration. And then number two, I'm going to give them to you together. Celebratory waiting requires endurance. It requires consecration and it requires endurance. Somebody say consecration. Consecration. Say it again. Somebody say consecration. consecration. Okay, what is it? That's a big word. What does that mean? Consecration means to be set apart. Okay, it means devoting yourself to the service and worship of God. It's kind of like that song that we sing, okay? I don't have a spice or any perfume. You know the song? But I have a life and I'll pour it on you. Every part, right? All of my heart, it's for you, Jesus. That's consecration in a song lyric. I am setting all of me apart for all of you, Jesus, because all of me loves all of you, Jesus. All of me loves all of you. It's living with this mindset of let it be worship. Let it be holy. Let it be pleasing to you. It being my whole life. Let my whole life be worship. Let my whole life be holy. Let my whole life be pleasing to you, Jesus. All of it. Not just Sunday mornings. Not just Wednesday nights. Not just a couple of weeks out of the summer at students' camps and on mission trips. But all of my life. All of my life. Let it be worship when I'm in the cafeteria. Let it be worship when I'm driving around in my car. Let it be worship. Let it be holy. Let it be pleasing to you when I'm in the locker room. Let it be worship. Let it be holy when I'm at my job. When I'm working. When I'm at the school dance. Let it be worship when I'm at home. Let it be worship when I'm around my dinner table. Let it be pleasing to you all of my life, every part of my life, for you, Jesus, because you're worthy of it all. I know that it is tempting where you're at in life to just want to blend in. I just want to blend in, right? But you are not called to blend in. You are called to live a set-apart life. But here's the thing. If you are surrounded by people, and I know a lot of you are because it's just how it is right now, where you're at. If you go to school, like you're going to be surrounded by people who do not have the same heart as you. Their hearts are not like, let it be holy, let it be worship, let it be pleasing to you. That's not on their radar yet. That's not what they're thinking yet. But if that's what you're doing and that's how you're trying to live your life, you're not going to blend in. You're going to stand out. Get used to it and own that. Like Own it. I tell my girls this all of the time, that you are not supposed to be a cookie cutter girl. You don't have to look like everybody, talk like everybody, act like everybody in your school. You're not being made of some little cheap sugar cookie dough. You are not a cookie cutter girl. You're not being cut. You're being formed. You are, you are clay in the potter's hand. And he has a unique, amazing design for your life. He's pulling, he's stretching, he's, he's pushing, he's putting you in the fire. He's refining you. You are not being cut. You're being formed. You're called to live a set-apart life. You're a kingdom of priests. You're a kingdom of priests. You're called to be a city on a hill that can't be hidden, not a house in the suburbs that looks like all of the other houses. You're going to be set apart. Own it. Lean in to it. If you look like everybody else and act like everybody else, you're not doing it right. Okay? All right. Um... Sorry, that was was not in my notes. Um, So I'm trying to find my place here. Okay, here we go. Um, Alexander McLaren says this. I love it. He says, you report to headquarters. Okay, we're a kingdom of priests. We report to our king. He says, never mind what anybody else thinks of you. Your business is to please Christ. And the less you trouble yourself about pleasing men, trying to be popular, fitting in, whatever, the more you're going to succeed in doing it. The less you worry about pleasing them, the more you're going to succeed in pleasing Christ. Simeon lived a consecrated life. Look at it again in Luke 2:25. He said, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consecration of Israel. Whoa, those are some pretty fancy, hefty words. He was righteous and devout. Does this mean that Simeon was perfect? Absolutely not. We know that the only one who lived a perfect spotless life was Jesus. Simeon being righteous and Simeon being devout speaks to the fact that Simeon's heart was aimed at pleasing God. Let it be worship. Let it be holy. Let it be pleasing to you. That was Simeon's probably that was probably his favorite song. So he had his heart aimed At pleasing the Lord. Okay, at some point, Simeon knew. Think about this. This is crazy. Like at some point, Simeon knew by the Holy Spirit that he was gonna be face-to-face with the Christ, with the Messiah. Don't you think that him knowing that was part of why he had his heart aimed at pleasing God? Don't you think that the reality of that motivated Simeon to aim his life at pleasing the Lord The same is true for us. I can tell each of you in this room that certainly someday you're going to be face-to-face with Jesus. You're going to be face-to-face with the Christ. That should motivate us to please him out of love, out of love, in view of the mercies of God, in view of the cross, now I offer All of me for all of you because all of me loves all of you. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. It says, therefore, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He says, therefore, whether we are at home, whether we're on the earth or we're away from home in heaven with him, it is our constant ambition to be pleasing to him. It is our constant ambition our consistent, our always, not just Sundays, not just Wednesdays. It is our constant ambition, our constant aim, our constant goal to be pleasing to him. It says, for we believers will be called to account and must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be repaid for what has been done in the body, whether good or bad that is, each will be held responsible for his actions, purposes, goals, motives, the use or misuse of his time, opportunities, and abilities. I'm reading this from the Amplified Version. Okay, Paul says that our goal, our aim, our ambition for all of eternity, which is now in session, is that we should be pleasing to God. When we have this goal, we can have joy in the waiting. We can celebrate in the waiting. When are our heart is aimed at pleasing, at pleasing God, there's a joy that rises up in us. There's an endurance that rises up in us. Okay, he then lets us know that what we do right now on earth has eternal consequences. Did you know that? That how you spent your time today, that there's eternal consequences attached to to that, Like we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You'll be face-to-face with Christ just as Simeon was face-to-face with Christ. But Simeon was face-to-face with baby Jesus, will be face-to-face with resurrected Jesus. Okay, this judgment seat that Paul is talking about here, this doesn't determine your place in eternity. This isn't where it's like you're going to heaven or hell. That's the great white throne of judgment, and I used to be terrified of the great white throne of judgment when I was a kid, but hear me, if you have called upon the name of Jesus, if you've called upon him for salvation, you do not have to be afraid of the great white throne of judgment, because when you get to the great white throne of judgment, do you know what? He sees, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. That's what you're dressed in, okay? So I'm not talking about the great white throne of judgment. If you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you don't have to be afraid of the great white throne of judgment because Christ's blood is enough for us, amen? Okay, so I'm not talking about that throne. This seat is a different seat. This is called the judgment seat of Christ, and this is where each of us must give an account according to what we've done here on the earth, whether good or bad. It says, each one may be repaid, For what has been done in the body, what's been done in the earth, whether good or bad. Okay, this helped me so much understand this passage. The Greek word translated bad, it really means worthless. Write that down, worthless. Okay, so that each one, we could look at the verse like this. So that each one may be repaid for what he has done in the body, in the earth, whether it's worthwhile or whether it's worthless. Is it worthwhile or was it worthless? This idea is not that God's gonna reward us for the good things and then punish us for the bad things. No, the idea is that he's going to reward us for the worthwhile things, and he's not going to reward us for the worthless things that we did. Now, the worthwhile things, what are the worthwhile things? These are things that contribute to the advancement of God's mission in the earth. This is when we Take up our place in God's kingdom as royal priests, and we continue the ministry of Jesus. Okay, this is things that contribute to the advancement of God's mission and his glory in the world. This is worthwhile things. Those things that we do that people are like, wow, you look a lot like your older brother Jesus, You look like him. You act like him. You're talking like him. You're being transformed into his image. That's the worthwhile stuff right there. Okay, what's the worthless stuff? The worthless stuff is the opposite. It's the things that um, make no contribution to the fulfillment of God's good purposes. Okay, I saw the other day in 2021, um, it's probably way more than this, but in 2021, 22.6 trillion Trillion minutes were spent on TikTok. Okay, you know who who the biggest demographic, the aid, the, 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 the most like the, the most users of uh, like the biggest demographic of users on TikTok, it's ages 10 to 19. 22.6 trillion. Trillion. I don't even know what that looks like. Like I can't even wrap my mind around that many minutes. 22.6 trillion minutes on TikTok and 9.6 trillion minutes on Netflix. Okay, now hear me, okay? Watching TikTok and playing Fortnite for hours every day, this is not going to send you to hell. It's not gonna send you to hell, but there will be no reward for that in heaven. There won't be any reward for that in heaven. Now, I want you to hear me when I say this, too. I spend a couple hours every week watching TV. I watch The Voice. I'm a big <laughs> fan. And uh, I spend a couple of minutes on social media. I'm not saying go home and burn your Xbox, okay? I'm not saying, like, drown your phone, flush it down the toilet. I'm not saying to, to throw away your TV, okay? I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, Okay, hear me. Here's what I am saying. Consider how much time you are spending on things that are worthless compared to on things that are worthwhile. That's all I'm asking you to consider, okay? Because the worthless stuff is going to be discarded as unworthy. Unworthy of reward, but the worthwhile stuff is going to be rewarded. So it's going to be like, okay, you spent all this time on TikTok. There's no reward for that. Sorry, it's not like there's a punishment. The punishment is there's just no reward in that. The penalty or consequence for worthless wasted time is the loss of reward. Okay, you may be thinking, okay, I can handle that. Like, I don't really care about reward in heaven. I just want to get to heaven. I don't really care about the reward. What is the reward anyways? I don't know. It seems like kind of ambiguous. Okay, I used to think the same thing. And like, what am I going to do with rewards in heaven anyways? Who needs a reward in heaven? Jesus is going to be there and there's going to be gates that are like solid pearl and streets made of gold. What would I do with a reward in heaven? Is it like something you're going to put up on your mantle? Um, Who needs a reward? Okay, but once I realized, and I just realized this like a couple of months ago, it was one of those like, oh, God broke in and he gave me this awesome revelation. Okay, uh, I, I realized that rewards in heaven, there's a couple of areas that, that, that these fall in. One, rewards in heaven are, you know like we're gonna have jobs in heaven? You know that we're gonna be working in heaven alongside King Jesus? We'll, we'll be like like Susan and Lucy and, 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 and Edmund and William in the Chronicles of Narnia. Like we're gonna have jobs and things to do in heaven. And so reward, that reward there is if we've spent our time on worthwhile things here, then he's going to give us worthwhile things to do in the kingdom. Okay, so that's part of the reward. And then the other part that I really want to zero in here is those rewards that God gives us at the judgment seat of Christ are what we can then cast down at his feet as we worship him. So think about that. There's going to be a moment where you sit down at the judgment seat of Christ and he's going to say, I deem that what you did on earth, that was worthwhile. And here's a crown for that. And here's a reward for that. And then we can turn and give it right back to him. We can cast down our crowns with the elders and we can worship him. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna show up to heaven empty handed. I wanna have a reward to put down at his feet as I worship him face to face. When that hit me, I was like, oh, I see why scripture talks so much about rewards in heaven. There's rewards in heaven. And how you spend your time on earth, that affects your rewards in heaven. We need to consecrate ourselves in the waiting. Whether you're waiting for a new season, you're waiting for a breakthrough, you're waiting for the second coming. When we're waiting, how many know? That's like when it's so tempting to waste time when we're waiting. That's when we're most susceptible, right? Ah, uh, just... I'm waiting so I might as well just get on this and spend the next hour on this app or whatever. Okay. When we're waiting it can be super tempting to waste time. So I I just want to I just want to ask you to do this, okay? I want you to pray and ask God to help you redeem your time wisely. Would you do that? Just make that a prayer. That's a prayer he's going to answer, guys. He will answer that prayer. Ask him to help you redeem your time wisely so that you can be like Simeon, so that you can aim your life at pleasing God, so you can be holy and set apart unto the Lamb. Okay, number two. Celebratory waiting requires endurance, endurance. Being willing to wait without specific timelines. Luke 2.26, look at it again. It says, and it had been revealed to him, to Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Pretty ambiguous, right? Like at some point before you die, you'll see the Christ. We don't know if Simeon was old. Everybody always paints him as old, but there's no, nothing in scripture that says that he was old. Um, Even if Simeon was old, and even if he was closer to death, he still didn't know the exact date of his death. He still didn't know that. I don't know if you've noticed this, but God often blankets things with holy mystery. He blankets things in holy mystery, like the second coming. Nobody knows the exact date or time. We just know that it's closer today than it was yesterday, okay? If you're in a season of waiting, maybe you're waiting for a lost loved one to come home, a prodigal to return for healing in your body or in in, in your parents or a friend that you know. You're waiting, you're contending for healing. Maybe you've been praying over the same person, the same condition, the same request for weeks, for months, for years, and you would really appreciate, (laughs) you'd really appreciate a timeline on when this is going to happen, when you're going to get what you have been waiting for. Maybe you started to grow weary in the waiting. Like maybe it doesn't feel like active anticipation waiting anymore. Like you're not like counting down, like super excited. Maybe it's starting to feel really frustrating and it's like the suck the life out of you kind of waiting. It feels maybe more like you're waiting to get out than you're waiting to welcome in. I can't wait to get out of this situation. I can't wait to get out of this school. I can't wait to get out of this home. I can't wait to get away from my parents. I can't wait to get out of this sickness. I can't wait to get out of this world. I can't wait for Jesus just to come back and take us out of here. What if you decided to take on Simeon's attitude, and instead of waiting to get out, you started waiting to welcome in you changed your perspective. I'm not waiting to get out of this. I'm waiting to welcome in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords into this situation. I know he's going to break up, break in. What if you start waiting for the consolation of your life to show up? What if you showed up every life or to your life every day, the way that Simeon showed up to the temple? Like this could be the day This could be the day that I see the Christ. This could be the day that this prayer is answered. This could be the day that Jesus comes back. This could be the day that Jesus breaks into this situation. This could be the day, but even if it's not, I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna keep waiting because where else would I go? He has the words of life. So where else would I go? Who else have I in heaven? There's none in heaven, there's none in the earth. Where else would I go? You have the words of life, Jesus. So I'm gonna keep waiting and I'm gonna keep watching and I'm gonna keep preparing because I know you're gonna break in. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm gonna keep showing up and I'm gonna keep this internal countdown going. I'm gonna keep waiting cheerfully. I will wait. I'll wait to welcome you in. I know you're coming. I'll wait, I'll embrace the holy mystery of not knowing. When Simeon saw the one that his soul had been waiting for, he took him up in his arms. New Song students, this is my prayer for you that we would be as ready as Simeon to welcome the Lord Jesus when he comes into the day-to-day moments of our lives and that we'd be as ready to welcome Jesus when he comes the second time as Simeon was ready to welcome him the first time. I'm gonna invite the keys up at this point. Revelation twenty two twenty 20 says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon, amen, come Lord Jesus. Will you wait? Will you wait for him? Will you actively wait? Will you wait serving? Will you wait loving? Will you wait aiming to please him, celebrating along the way? Don't wait for your breakthrough to celebrate. Don't wait for the trumpet blast to celebrate. Celebrate in the waiting. You have something to celebrate every day. He came. That's worth celebrating. That God put on skin. He came. He's in you now. That's worth celebrating. And he's coming again. That's worth celebrating. Now, the good news of all of this, the best News of Advent. Rich Villados says this The good news of Advent is not that we are faithful in our waiting, because we often aren't, but that God is faithful in His coming. The good news of Advent is not that we're faithful in our waiting, because sometimes we're not. A lot of times we get patient, a lot of times we don't hold fast, but God is faithful in his coming, even when we're not faithful in our waiting. Let's say Simeon did not show up that day in the temple. Guess what? God would have still shown up. He would have still shown up. So we need to know that as we set our hearts to wait, as we set our hearts to prepare and watch that even when we're not faithful, even when we miss it, that God always is because he can't not be He can't not be faithful. Look at this. This is gonna set some people free. I really believe this is a word in due season for some people in this room. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. If we're faithless, if we blend in instead of being set apart, if we waste our time instead of doing things worthwhile, Guess what? He can't deny himself. He remains faithful even when we're, on, we're unfaithful. This isn't riding on our shoulders. He is faithful. Brennan Manning says, Our unfaithfulness does not diminish the faithfulness of God. His love endures despite our shortcomings. His love endures. And God's breaking in. God's breaking in in the past, in the present, in the future. His breaking in is not dependent on your performance. It's anchored in His unchanging character. This isn't riding on your performance. Just take a big breath out. This wasn't. This isn't riding on your performance. This is writing on God's unchanging character. That's good news. That's the good news of Advent. So let me just encourage you, don't quit waiting. Maybe you are in this place of like, I could not possibly be waiting and watching and expecting for God to break into my life because I have not been living with a heart that's aimed at pleasing him. Well, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Repent and start waiting. Start waiting. Start waiting. Don't stop waiting just because you feel like, man, I've been impatient and, and I've got doubt in my heart that this is ever really gonna happen. And so I can't expect God to break in because I've been dealing with all this doubt. Listen, repent, ask God to help your unbelief. He can handle your doubt. If you're faithless, he remains faithful. So confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Repent and keep on waiting because God is faithful. Surely he is coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. If you would, would you bow your heads?